Welcome to Allendale Market Talk Podcast. This is Greg McBride and Mike Lung. Big week this week, as always, Mike. Uh, started out uh, on the weak side for uh, soybeans, a little continuation of uh, of last week's uh, finish. Um, we've seen a little bit of back and forth uh, on the uh, on the corn wheat of all markets, and let's start with that. Wheat of all markets looks strong, even though it was down in Minneapolis today, uh, here on Tuesday, and Chicago was down slightly. KC was up. What's going on in this wheat market that makes it look so strong uh, compared to the uh, corn and beans? Because this is not a time frame when we would normally be looking at uh, upside uh, potential for uh, for the wheat market. Yeah, so it seems like you have a couple things coming to the mix. One, you got unwinding of spreads. You were having a lot of people wanting to participate in Minneapolis wheat and trying to spread it off against Chicago, against KC. And recently we've been seeing KC as the upside leader here. So seems that at least partial of it could be unwinding of those uh, spreads, interwheat commodity spreads. And then you also have the whole, which we typically get this time of year from now to October, we typically get that where there's smoke, there's fire mentality when it comes to Russia. There's always some Russian story that's popping out about this time where they're either limiting exports, they're not producing the crop that they think they're going to, something along the lines, and uh, seems to come into the mix right now. And you got a nice technical breakout on the KC wheats, uh, just looking at chart-wise uh, on Monday, and some good support on Tuesday mm-hmm. with uh, what originally looked like you were going to see a pretty big uh, commodity-based sell-off with crude lower, with uh, the bean complex lower, with corn. Everything was lower. But you did see right out the gate support come back into that wheat market. So a couple things that are all flowing together, and with wheat, wheat being really a world-based commodity with it grown practically everywhere in the world, uh, seeing those bigger stories come to light really is helping out the wheat market this time and hopefully continuing it so you can see some good prices for wheat going forward right. with this harvesting. Well, I know, I mean, obviously you talk about uh, unwinding spreads and um, you look at uh, at Minneapolis wheat, for example, and it doesn't seem like there should be anything that is bearish in that market. Um, same thing with uh, when you're watching the, the oats or the canola. Uh, those small grains, uh, the ones that are in the northern plains of the U.S. Uh, or the Canadian prairies, have been basically left to waste this year. I mean, the the drought uh, in those areas um, really has done a number on it. Uh, we're looking at, I think the the wheat tour that went through North Dakota was roughly twenty what twenty eight twenty nine bushels an acre, down from forty or forty two last year. And it it does seem like there's nowhere to go but up uh, in these markets. And then we start to hear about maybe some demand shift. Um, you know, you talk about Russia and what that can do for us as far as potentially seeing the number one um, exporter of wheat uh, limit some of their exports. And then who gets that? Well, that could come to the U.S. And, and if we get if we start to see demand out of, say, Egypt one of the world's biggest buyers or the world's biggest buyer of wheat, we may be, uh, we may be looking at some, some upside potential in the, uh, in the, the, the wheat markets here in the U S 
would that do anything for us from the perspective of corn or soybeans? It very well could. And in 2008, we really started with wheat, branched over into corn and beans, and they all took turns being the upside leader. As of this year, you saw beans really be the starting starting gate leader, and then corn took over, and we may be able to see wheat take over, but you're also seeing funds build a short position from here, and uh, most likely, unless it's something that's going to be just overtly b- bullish, I, from a money standpoint and where they're currently positioned, would be surprised to see them build into a long position from these levels. So mm-hmm. you very well could, uh, but th- it goes into play again. Is this Russia story going to stay? Is it going to be like uh, 2018 where there was this big story and there was smoke and fire and we just we had a good rally that summer, so we had to continue, but then it started to drift off. It started to hang around that 5 and $6 handle. I can't forget which, but then it absolutely crashed. And there was the whole... Uh, well, KC has to be above Chicago. It always is. And then we've seen it below Chicago with Chicago holding a premium for the last two, two and a half years. Uh, so we'll have to keep a close eye on that and see if that story continues to develop. If it's something that you see people continue to support it. But like you just said, it's something that Minneapolis wheat, oats, uh, canola, it, it's something that looking at fundamentally – should it be higher? Yeah, probably, but it's not. Right. And they're markets that are not as liquid yeah. as corn or beans. So fundamentally speaking, it doesn't have to do anything. If you have a small amount of people holding a large amount of cards, they can push the market around and say, I don't care what the fundamentals have to say. I'm in here. I'm doing my business. The market's going to move. Well, from a can- uh, canola standpoint, too, though, is, you know, we're starting to see some weakness come into the bean oil market. Mm-hmm. The veg oils uh, themselves, we just had a, a day, I think it was yesterday uh, or Sunday night, we saw palm oil down 200 and some ringgits. And when you start talking about veg oils and you start to see that they're starting to take a turn, canola, like you said, because it's a little bit of, it's a thinner market, that could that could negate some of the supply issues if you're seeing the pressure from these other markets. And that's, that is something to, to be concerned about. Now we just finished our six month outlook, uh, just last week, put that out for all of our snapshot subscribers, uh, on Thursday, it's still available, uh, to anybody that, uh, either is a snapshot subscriber or wants to get in on it. I believe we're still running that, uh, $1 special for new subscribers. Let's talk a little bit about some of the some of the data or some of the numbers that uh, we came out with in that uh, in that six month outlook, and let's talk about uh, bullish and bearishness uh, that are potential uh, here. In the soybeans, we have the conversation about well, it's a little bit too early to make the call on what what we're looking at as far as above or below trend on uh, on that crop just yet. To me, as I'm looking at these numbers, there's nothing that warrants us being up at the price that we're at, this 1325, 1350 area, or even higher, especially with 
China slow playing their their bean buying this year. Am I am I misreading that, or is there something that is coming down the pipe that we need to be that we could get excited about? Well, as you just said, we're in the month of August, and we've seen very unreliable weather maps where mm-hmm. they're just changing dramatically day to day. Not even day to day, every six six hours. Right. So we don't have a full grasp on what the supply side is, and we don't have a full grasp because we have, at this point, a full another year before this new crop marketing year is over. So we don't have a full grasp on if China will resume or if they're just completely done. But it was about this time last year, actually, a little, I think it was the second, third week in August, that you started to see China really start to come in and start to pick up. So we're not quite there, and we're not quite at the supply side. And you're just at a lot of these not quites, and with where we're at balance sheet-wise, those little changes that we're answering right now uh, could have us at these levels, or even higher, or even lower so you just have those coulds that are keeping the market seemingly at bay right now but it seems like even though we know we're dealing with lower ending stocks uh than we have in previous years you know sitting at around 150 ish uh million metric ton or a million bushels for uh, uh for bean carry out with the size of the crop that brazil harvested i mean this was a record crop that they harvested Looking at their numbers as far as their exports in either the month of June or the month of July, they're not on par with with where they've been at in previous years. Is that something to be concerned about with the overall world stocks and the idea that maybe China's just satiated from what they bought last year or in in the the old crop marketing year, so they don't need to to come in and, and buy a heck of a lot of beans right now? Sure, why not? They they came in here and just absolutely bought everything they could get their hands on last year. It was day after day after day of just purchases, and you're seeing them start to, not bean wise but seeing them start to sell corn state reserves of imported corn, and they're not selling 100% like they were last year. So you have this ASF issue or really any issue out of China that we're never really getting the full picture of. You have China saying themselves, we're not going to be picking up as much grain. And maybe it is something that right now they're well supplied. They know they're going to need more, but they know the longer they hold out, the more it breaks the psychology of the market. And they've been making a very open case for wanting to control the volatility with commodity prices. Mm -hmm. So they've bought a boatload. They were able to sell a bunch of their state reserves, and they clearly have enough, at least from what we've been seeing corn, to hold themselves over at this time so if they can hold off and if they can break the psychology and say they can buy things for a dollar cheaper i don't see a reason why they wouldn't right and well you mentioned you mentioned corn and the amount of buying that they did i mean they came in here and bought uh, what 10 or 11 million metric tons all in the course of basically what a week or two mm-hmm. uh back in i think it was april maybe it was may and they bought the they bought a ton of of corn from us. Obviously, that's not going to ship till at least September uh, because of of how we harvest here. But the biggest the uh, the biggest thing is that they've gone so quiet since they did that. And 
you know, that's one of the things that uh, Rich keeps pointing out is, well, with the with the dragon in production in uh, for Safrina uh, in uh, in Brazil, that gives us the opportunity to see potential for more uh, more export sales shifting our way. Same uh, same idea with uh, Argentina. Not that they had a production issue, but they have a transportation or logistics issue with how low that uh, Parana River is. That they're only moving and and shipping boats that are seventy five percent full at this point because they can't they can't move nearly as much grain up and down the river like they're supposed to, and that's a big that's a big transportation hub for their uh, uh, for their agricultural products. So, you know, as I'm looking at the corn and and I you know kind of gauge it, I guess based on where I think we could go. I'm not overly bearish on this uh, on this corn market like we have in the, like we have been in the past. I think there's potential. Yeah, we're we're probably a little bit overvalued right now because we still don't know what the USDA is thinking about yields, but I don't see the massive downside concerns in the in the corn as much as I see it in the beans. And maybe I'm a little bit off, but I it just feels like if you can get yourself back up to near that gap that we have on December, that 573.5 area, um, that's a good spot to be making sales. And then at the lower end of the range, $5, 5 and a quarter is a good spot to be to be buying it and just playing back and forth in that uh, in that area. Am I am I missing something on the corn side of things that says we need to be look out below type mentality in in corn i mean obviously there is the biofuel concerns but that's a that's kind of a up in the air type situation anyway yeah you obviously like you just said biofuels is going to be a big one the Biden administration has been showing recently that they're not as apt to move towards biofuels and continue with that as previous administrations have and that is definitely concerning with us putting in 2006 a dollar on this corn market because we had that paradigm shift of food for fuel so you take that away that is a issue definitely to watch you have china that you just mentioned buy a bunch of corn from us that really got them and hedged their bet about what's going on with the south american crop right now we're estimating somewhere around 92 90 uh out of brazil and last year they had a record of 102 so big chunk of what was taken off there but they already hedged that bet and maybe it does and is able to hold them off until they get to next season's crop for brazil and then on top of it you also have this really forgotten about picture which is ukraine's corn crop and they had a big hit last year but they're not having the same issues this year they're looking at a normalized crop and they ship a lot of grain right to china so with them producing a normalized crop and being right there again something else to hold them over so just a, a few things, and while we don't know the full extent of this biofuel or what's going to happen with it, just knowing that there's where at this time last year there was more questions about can we see this get more bullish, right now it's not so much can we see these things get more bullish. We know how they can get more bullish. We're just not particularly seeing it right now, but we're saying, okay, how can this get more bearish from here? 
what are these things that are starting to come to light that you're starting to see go through Congress and you're starting to see introduced bill-wise that could really make a pretty drastic difference, not only for this crop year, but years to come. Mm -hmm. We have input costs that are going through the roof. We have corn that uh, you got a lot of unknowns and you got a lot of easy ways to put a big supply back on the board in a relatively short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And as we saw and know from 2008 to 2012, the input costs don't come down with it as quickly. So just a lot of potential hazards in the water. Right, right. And that is something to to be aware of is that there's, you know, there's always something out there. And this is the conversations we have with our producers all the time of just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it has to go straight up. It's something that you need to protect yourself against just in case, you know, whether it's it's the the biofuel situation, maybe the maybe phase the phase one deal blows up. You know, they and they completely stop buying from us or they buy very, very little from us. I mean, at this point, it wouldn't make a difference because they haven't bought a whole heck of a lot anyway. But that is something to, to be concerned about. So, um, like I said, if you if anybody out there has uh, uh, has our snapshot subscription, get on, listen to that six month outlook. Steve, Rich and Drew do a fantastic job of giving us an idea of what we're going to see for the next six months trying to give you an idea of what you need to be doing to protect uh, protect the downside uh, in these markets because at this point, that is where your risk lies. It's not necessarily going to be in a failure of a crop here in the U.S. because it doesn't appear to be that situation. So, um, And if you have not subscribed to it, give Zach a call uh, and see if, uh, see if he can get you in for that, uh, that $1 uh, deal uh, for the first month. And um, we'll move on from there. So uh, thank you, Mike, for your, your input as always. Fantastic job. Thanks for joining me again, Greg, and hopefully see you next week. If you guys want to get in contact with Zach, that number is 800-262-7538. But today for Allendale Market Talk, this is Mike Lund and Greg McBride signing off. You guys have a great one.